It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. Lawrence, good to be back with you, buddy, on a Monday, my friend. The Sport Hole. Sports, 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 sports. Two-minute drill. Presented by Ideal Home and Auto Paint. Open under for Taylor. Joe Ty puts it down. Owen Mackey. Roberts, three-quarter court. Two-minute drill brought to you by the Matt Hickman team at Academy Mortgage. Top 1% mortgage originator in the country, Larry. Right here in your backyard. That's the Matt Hickman team at Academy Mortgage. Go ahead, Sambo. What do you got, buddy? Who's on top of your Utah hoops pyramid after this weekend? Great question. Top five. Three levels. Let's start with the bottom tier. Mason Falls left. Utah State. What a way to start the game Saturday against Boise. And I'll tell you, Utah State fans hate Boise State in basketball now more than they ever have. They hate Leon. They hate the coach. They hate the coach's son. They hate Boise State fans. The Mountain West Tournament will be awesome if they play each other again like they did last year because there's no love lost in this matchup. Utah State fans can't stand them. And Mason Falslev started hot in that game. He made a bunch of crazy shots early, and then he made a bunch of threes, and he finished with 25 points, three threes, and led the Aggies uh, to a big win over a very good Boise State team after dropping a game against Nevada in the spectrum, which you can't do. He responded very well on Saturday. Very good, Larry. Bottom tier uh, second member is Nazoni Dominguez from Hurricane High. 17 points, 10 rebounds, couple of blocks in the Lady Tigers win over Crimson. That was on Thursday. Let's go to the third member of our foundation, John Collins. Who gives a crap? Jazz, 21 and 14 in their loss against the Sun. So the bottom tier has three. The middle tier has two members. And the top tier has one. We're looking at Kyle Lemke in the middle t- tier this week, Larry. Uh, 26.7 rebounds, three blocks in that game against Snow Canyon in the jungle. Maybe the most intense first half of basketball in Region 9 all season long that I've seen. There's been a lot of them. But it was a two-point game going into the locker room. Owen Mackey was on fire. Lemke was on fire. The defenses both played really well. But I turned to Coach Monkers, who was sitting next to me after the third quarter, and I just said, what do you do about Lemke? And he said, there's nothing you can do about it. They were just lobbing it over the top to him. I thought strategically the game plan was there defensively, but Dixie changed something in the locker room. And they got so many easy buckets to Kyle. Not only the lobs over the top, but he just runs the rim so well. They lose them. Everybody loses them, and he and he camps out, and gets them, and he just he's dominant. He's he's the Wilt Chamberlain of Region Nine. He was great. Jordan Roberts was great. He had a hundred assists again in that game. Uh, Logan Whitehour was great for Dixie. He had an incredible hanging reverse layup, left hand finish off the glass. Snow Canyon was up for the fight for as long as you can. I mean, nobody's been able to run for four quarters with Dixie. Snow Canyon, I think, you know, haymaker for haymaker for two and a half quarters or whatever it was. 
It's just that third quarter. And that was a story the first time these two teams played is the third quarter. Last time when it was in the hangar. Snow Canyon battled them. First and second quarter and fourth quarter. But the third quarter, they were dominated by Dixie. And that's what kind of happened again. Because when you're at home, you know you're going to come out and have that great first quarter. And they did. They were making all their shots. And it wasn't just Owen. Other guys were making threes and driving the rim and stuff. Reggie Mackey had a great first half. It's that third quarter where Dixie has made the adjustments. They've come in. The crowd isn't quite as amped up going into the second half. That's when Dixie pounds you. And that's what happened against Snow Canyon on senior night. It was an awesome night in the jungle. They honored all those great seniors. And Trey, Trey Kelsch had an awesome game. He was diving in the stands, making plays. The effort was there for Snow Canyon. They just didn't have an answer for the easy buckets in the paint that 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 Lemke had. But also, um, Brecken Robinson drove the paint really well. I mentioned Whitehour. Jordan Roberts had a great game driving to the rim and finishing, especially in the second half. Roberts went off in the third quarter. So Dixie remains unbeaten, and they've got two more games to stay that way. they got Desert Hills on Wednesday. They've got Cedar on Friday. So congratulations to them uh, keeping it going. So Lemke's in that middle tier. Second member of the middle tier, Olivia Hamlin. She had 34 points on Thursday, a bunch of steals, few assists. I can't imagine a pyramid, a beehive pyramid that doesn't have Olivia Hamlin any week this year. But at the top of the tier, Larry, is your guy, Jalen Searles, Utah Tech basketball, going into the most pivotal week of the season after slumping a tad, dropping a few games, trying to stay in the top eight, trying to get to whack Vegas. What do they got to do? They got to win basically two rivalry games back-to-back. SUU, they beat SUU at home on Thursday. Saturday, they got their old rival in Cal Baptist in the heater. What do they do? Jalen Searles, 33 points, career high, super efficient from the field, makes almost all of his free throws. Grown man game for Jalen. He is our king of Utah basketball over the weekend for helping Utah Tech get that win. And now they've got they got Grand Canyon this week on Thursday on the road playing against uh, playing in one of the best venues in the West against GCU. So we'll hopefully be able to get Coach Judkins in here this week to talk about that. Uh, honorable mention, the problem with picking somebody from BYU is there's nine guys who have double figures. So they got a big win against Kansas State, but it's hard to pick between, you know, Jackson Robinson and Spencer Johnson and uh, Traore and Nell and Water. They all have 10, 12 points a game. So I think that's what makes this group fun, but it's hard to make the pyramid unless you're scoring 20 plus, right, Larry? Yes. Uh, big win for BYU, though, against Kansas State. That wasn't close. There's been several games this year in the Big 12, not just home games. Go back to that West Virginia game on the road where BYU just smacking smacking Big 12 teams around. The number one conference in the country, BYU, is just smacking them around. It's not even fun. They're winning by double digits. 
Who had that, Larry? I know I didn't. You didn't, did you? Yes. You had that? Yes. You had them having a record like they have right now in the Big 12? Yes. I don't think so. You heard uh, BYU's uh, win on uh, Saturday on 890 KDXU, our sister station. And they could have beaten Oklahoma, you know, earlier on in the week. But they pooched it. All right. Thank you, Larry. Good job. And congratulations to all Pyramid uh, members. We got to get a prize for the Pharaoh every week on top of the pyramid. Do we have a prize? No. Can't we dig up some benches, Larry? All right. What do we got next? Go ahead, Sambo. How about Stu getting the ultimate tribute in Logan on Saturday? It's, uh, your life goes by in a hurry. A big part of my life was coaching college basketball. Certainly the highlight of my coaching career was was Utah State. To think that all these years later, uh, a Utah kid would get to coach at Utah State, get his name on the court. It's, uh, Jerry called me. It was, he just talked to me. I listened because I couldn't talk. Fantastic. That's too moral. Not great audio, Larry. Is that the best you could do? Yes. Stu Morrill, it'll be uh, his name will be on the court. He'll go down with uh, Coach K. He'll go down with Lute Olson. He'll go down with uh, James Naismith. I'm trying to think of all the guys that have a, the, the, their name on the court. Of course, it's the Dean Dome in North Carolina. What other former coaches have their dang name on the floor, Larry, or name the stadium after him? Um, Adolf Rupp. Who else? Well, Stu Morrill is who else. Congratulations to Stu. Uh, talked about him last week. What? Eight tourney appearances? Fantastic. It's hard to go to the tournament. He went eight times. Now, the negative about Stu, he couldn't win a tournament. I, one and nine, right, Larry? He's got a 100 win percentage in the NCAA tournament, which is second worst for any coach that has made the NCAA tournament five or more times. Not to kick a man during his... Why are you making me read this, Larry? On his big coming out celebration, why are we bringing this up? 0-6 in the NIT was uh, Stu Moore. But he won 20 games a year, and he had the the J.C. Carroll years and the Ty Wesley years... And a bunch of other good years. And he went to the... Tur- what, what more do you want than to go to the tournament? How? My question is, how many of those tournament years did he have the better seed and was supposed to win the game? <clears throat> and how many years was he a 12 seed? Can you look that up, Lawrence? Yes. How many times was he supposed to win and didn't? Because a lot of mid-major coaches have bad tourney records because they're a higher seed every year. And who cares about the NIT record? What are you trying to do, Larry? Trying to mock Stu? We love Stu. And he deserves his his name on the floor there. So congratulations to to Coach Stu Morrill. All right, thank you, Lawrence. What else you got, Sambo, in the two-minute drill, pal? Did you see Cooper Vest getting interviewed today? Yes. Yeah, BYU Sports Nation, uh, Dixie High Zone. Cooper Vest, one of the returning stars for BYU baseball this year, who's picked to finish, you know, the bottom of the Big 12, but maybe they'll surprise everybody 
like they're doing in uh, basketball. Played in the Alaska Baseball League over the summer. Mm-hmm. What was it like playing baseball in Alaska? I loved it up there. It was obviously the first week or two, you're like, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> after, you, after you finally get a suit up and yeah. get in the same box and on the same field as anywhere in the country when you play baseball, I think that's where you start to kind of connect with the people in the game, and it was unbelievable. Where, so you got Cooper Vest. BYU baseball is basically the Region 9 All-Stars, Larry. That's what I call them, right? Because you got Luke Anderson, who's, who was maybe there, besides Austin Deming, was maybe their best. And Austin Deming's a Region 9 guy who's now playing A-ball for the Astros, right? Luke Anderson, who came on and was a revelation for BYU last year. Had a great slugging percentage, was hitting triples, was hitting home runs. It was just fantastic. You got Kaysen Bell from Dixie on the pitching staff. You have Peyton Goobler from Desert Hills on the pitching staff. You got Bryker Herdsman on the pitching staff. And you just heard from Cooper Vest. So that is, uh, it's a fun team to follow because you know all these kids. And I hope they can compete in, uh, in the Big 12. TCU is picked to finish first, then Texas, then Oklahoma State, and then uh, BYU is tied with Cincinnati to finish near the bottom or at the bottom of the Big 12. But what else? It's your first year. Where else are you supposed to be? You got to start somewhere, right, Lawrence? So we'll be rooting yes. for the Cougars. Baseball season right around the corner. And let me just say one kind of sourpuss thing, Lawrence. I don't like the, I don't like the turf. Everybody's got turf, especially the cold weather places. And I understand why you have to do it logistically. You want to play baseball in February. You got to have a turf field and you got to have the infield heated and all that stuff. So it's a technological marvel of what they're able to do, not only at BYU, but UVU. I just don't like it. I'm old school. I don't like it in football either. It was cool to watch a Super Bowl actually played on grass yesterday. Um, I like the dirt. I like I like I like the scene in Field of Dreams when Shoeless Joe comes out. And he's talking about the smell of the dirt in his nostrils since he's been in hell for a hundred years, waiting to come out. He could smell the field and the turf fields. They're not doing it for me. And I know a lot of high schools are moving that way, too, because it's so much more convenient and it you don't have to do so much work. And over time, the money and the, the watering, the watering's got to cost a fortune, especially down here in the desert. I don't care. Okay? Lawrence, do you care? Yes. You like the turf fields or you like, you? oh, you like the, the dirt like me? Yes. And the real grass. All right, good. But... You take what you can get, and that's the way, especially collegiate uh, baseball is going. And a lot of the fields in the Big 12 are like that. Is Oklahoma State, who is known, I mean, BYU comes, here's what BYU does, Larry. They instantly come into the Big 12, and they say, we got the most ruckus, is it ruckus or raucous, arena, right up there with any anybody else. Right up there with Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, and right up there with any of you other, you know, big-time programs. We got as many guys, we got as many fans in our stadium as you have. And they're all, and we got the best student section, period. And they do. Who has a better student section in the Big 12 
right now than what BYU's doing at home games. Anybody? Then they say, look at our baseball stadium. Who has a more beautiful baseball stadium in all the Big 12? I know Oklahoma State's field and the setting, and it's brand new, and uh, what's his name? Pickens, T. Boone, threw a billion dollars to make it and all that stuff. Doesn't hold a candle to the stadium in Happy Valley. Go, go BYU baseball. Right, Larry? Yes. Thank you. Yes, you made a boo-boo. I did. I did. boo box. <laughs> Uh-oh, time for the boo box in the sport hall. All right, happy Monday. The bell tolls, Larry, for the boo box. Somebody's got to go. We don't like to do it. But it's something we have to do every Monday. Oh, and I don't like to do this one. I mean, I feel like this is overkill, but I guess we have to do it. Who's do- who's going, Larry? Kyle Shanahan. The boo box. And I don't want to belabor the point, Larry, but I just want to say the reason why I'm putting Shanahan in the boo box on a Monday isn't because um, he didn't take... It's not because he didn't take the ball second in overtime. And I think if you listen to his explanation, go ahead and play his explanation of why he took, he, he took the ball first. Uh, this is something we talked about with... You know, none of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked to those guys, and we just thought it'd be better. We wanted the ball third. Um, the both teams matched and scored. We wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win, and um, we got that field goal, so we knew we had to hold them to at least to a field goal, and if, if we did, then we thought it was in our hands after that. The, the, the boo ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's not why he's going to the boo box for me, Larry. The reason why he's going to the boo box for me is because... He didn't have a play. Andy Reid had a play. And I know it, Andy Reid has Patrick Mahomes, and he's Michael Jordan, and he's going to make plays. But the most pivotal game of the – the most pivotal play of the game, you could argue, was when the Chiefs had the ball fourth and one overtime. And what did they do? They had a dang play. They had a guaranteed play on Reid's TGI Friday's menu – and he, he dialed it up, and they got the first down. First. first and one. Mahomes has it. He's easily going to get the first. Easily. Anticlimactic. Really- Fakes the handoff left. He keeps it right with an option to throw to Kelsey. Kelsey was open. Mahomes ran it. Easily got the first down. No question that Andy Reid is going to have a play. It's just a guarantee with the game on the line, short yardage situation. Kyle Shanahan had two third downs, third and fours, to win the Super Bowl, Larry. Two third and fours. And the Chiefs, Spagnola is playing on these third downs. He's playing like my nephew plays when he's playing Xbox which is he engages eight every play. He's just going to send a jailbreak at you every third down. And Shanahan is caught, you know, with his pants down twice. 
in the Super Bowl. You're up three. It's third and four. You're in the red zone. They send heat at you. Purdy throws it into the line. It gets tipped, whatever, no chance, or throws it away. I can't remember. And so you fail on third and four. So you kick a stupid field goal or whatever. And then you have third and four in overtime. You've marched the ball down the field. You've given it to McCaffrey, the offensive MVP. He's running like crazy. Remember when he got the ball outside on the screen pass or whatever, and he got going? It was like, ooh, he might take it all the way. You end up on third and four just not having a play. You're not ready for what they're going to – they're going to send numbers at you. They're going to send a safety or a corner blitz, and you don't have enough blockers, and so Purdy's just flailing back there, throwing it. What kind of JV offensive mind are – what are you doing, Shanahan? Reed would not have let that happen. We can give a lot of – we can give a lot of the credit to Mahomes. We got to give credit to Reed – when the back's against the wall and you need short yardage first downs, he just has not, he gets that, he's pulling napkins out of his pockets with great plays on them, guaranteed conversions. And that's what happens. So Kyle Shanahan, you're in the boo box, not because of the insanity of taking the ball first in an overtime period, which is like college where you're guaranteed to get it back regardless and go second. But because you weren't ready. And by the way, Purdy was ready for the task. Purdy played a great game. He made a bunch of clutch throws and throws down the field and all that stuff. And I I was very pessimistic about Purdy. But I blame the most pivotal plays for the 49ers on offense. Not on Purdy, but on Shanahan for not having a not, not being ready for whatever you got to get first downs you weren't even close to ready you went into the fetal position you kicked a field goal and gave Patrick Mahomes the ball back down three there's no doubt about it he's gonna go get a go win the Super Bowl and if I'm Shanahan or or an NFL coach what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go instead of the, the analytics or the math stuff or whatever I'm gonna go to Vegas and I'm going to go get a, a handicapper. I'm going to go get Bugsy Siegel Jr. Jr. from the Mirage. And I'm going to say, come stand on the sideline. And at any point in the game, I'm going to say, what would you handicap our likelihood of winning? If we go for it here on, on fourth and four, deep in Chiefs territory, what odds are you giving us to win the game? On fourth and four, live odds to win the Super Bowl if we go for it here. And he would say, I'm going to give you two to one odds or something. I'm going to give you pretty good odds still, maybe just under 50% that you're going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. What if we kick the field goal and voluntarily give it back to Patrick Mahomes with unlimited time, timeouts, a kicker who can make it from 70 yards? What are our odds of winning the Super Bowl if we do that? 0.3%. That makes it easy for you. You go with the handicapper. Vegas always knows. Vegas was spot on on the over-under. They were wrong on the the team. But most of the time, they do pretty good. I would have a handicapper right next to me to make those decisions. And Shanahan, you got to do something erratic. You got to do something insane to beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And he wasn't willing to do it. And I think if I'm I think if I'm Shanahan, 
Monday morning quarterback, armchair quarterback, I know, but on third and four, give it to McCaffrey and then give it to him again on fourth and two and just run it in for a touchdown and don't give Mahomes the ball only down three with the Super Bowl on the line. Do you, do you like he, Larry? Do you agree? Yes. Judas Priest. Good for good for Andy Reid. Very happy for him. And I like Mahomes. A lot of people have jumped off his bandwagon. But I like him. Congrats to, to the Red Kingdom. All right. What up, buddy? You're not very bright, are you? Andy versus Randy. All right, as we do every Monday, we welcome in my twin brother, Randy, to give us his constructive compliments about our show. What's going on, my friend? Happy Monday. What up, buddy? Happy post-Super Bowl Monday. Happy post-Super Bowl day to you, too, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for the invite to your party yesterday, by the way. (laughs) I texted you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had somewhere to go. Oh, you did. Um, Where was that? I was in Skeeter. I know. <laughs> of course. I know, man. Of course you were. Can't stay away. Um, yeah. Trying to pay back some debts, as you say, with uh, with Larry and your Skeeter beaters. But. Right. What a game, though, right? <sighs> well, that's that's what I'm calling about. It was a great game, and I was calling because you're always crapping on the NFL. You're always... College is king. Yes, you're always talking about college football. Yeah. And how that's the best thing. But college football never produces a good championship game. Uh, well, never? rarely. Never? What rarely. about Clemson? Yeah, yeah, rarely, rarely. I would agree NFL, with that. NFL, when's the last bad one you can think of in the last handful of years? Probably. Brady. Uh, let's see, Brady. Yeah, probably, probably. With the Bucks. But over Mahomes. this whole century, they've been good games. There's been three, four, five blowouts in 24 years. Really? Amazing. Yeah, it's a good run. This one, yeah. I it mean, was another good game. Hyped up like the rest of them. Yeah. And it's a two and a half point spread or whatever it was. Yeah. And it went to overtime. Yeah, it was great. Now, one of the teams didn't know the rules, but, <laughs> but it was a good game nonetheless. Yeah, it was a good game. So the NFL is just raking it yes, in. Yes. The NFL is just in a, in a fantastic spot. Yeah. And this is peak NFL years. This is the gold age. I would agree with that. And I hope it just keeps getting better and better. I don't see why. Another awesome Super Bowl. I agree. Okay. Thanks for calling. All right. See ya. All right. See ya. The Sport Hall. Sports, 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 sports. All right. Let's see here. Oh, we got Katie, right? Yes. Before we go to Katie, let me just say the Super Bowl, which which usually, my whole childhood, it usually was bad. But I'm trying to just kind of mentally, yeah, I think I think Randy's right. I think they've all, 75% of them have been great. I would say the NBA Finals, the odds of it being great, and by great I mean going to a game seven, can you look that up, Larry? How many times has that happened since 2000? Can you look that up? Yes. I would say not great. The, the, I mean, I, I think that's probably a game seven in the NBA Finals is probably less than a third. 
maybe 25% of the time, Larry. That's what I'm going to wager when you look that up. Yes. I would say Game 7 in a World Series is uh, maybe 33, maybe a third. Are you saying yes, that it's right, or are you saying yes, you're going to look it up? Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, the NFL's king. I understand. And college football playoff, the championship usually stinks. Almost always. Even when it's if it's close, it's two SEC teams, and it's just a boring game that nobody cares about. <clears throat> I mean, uh, Deshaun's was good against Bama. Uh, two was as a freshman was good against Georgia. Who else? I can't even remember. There's like there's been like five good national titles in in, in football, basketball. I have no memory of, except for uh, DiVincenzo. <laughs> what happened last year? Oh, UConn won. La- UConn blew the doors off San Diego State last year. It's hard to find a good uh, uh, college basketball championship, too. Thank you, Lawrence. Oh, let's go to Katie. Katie, first hour uh, look from the National News Desk. Here's Katie Rosenrose. Thanks, guys. This show reminds me of Kyle Shanahan. Just not good enough. From the Sport Oil National News Center on Bluff Street, I'm Katie Rosen-Rosen. While several Chiefs players and coaches said they had a prepared strategy in the event that the Super Bowl went to overtime, multiple 49ers players admitted they were not even aware of the rules. Quote, and then the idea was to let them score touchdowns, said 49ers defensive lineman Eric Armstead. Indiana State's balanced, strong, free-flowing offense and its goggle-wearing big man have the program off to one of its best starts in years. Now the Sycamores have something that hasn't happened since Larry Bird played in Terre Haute, a spot in the AP Top 25. Wow. Good job, Whitey's. Good luck against Magic Johnson's kid in the Final Four. What's that? I'm sure he has several. Cameras cat star tight end Travis Kelsey bumping into and then yelling at Andy Reid to the surprise and disappointment of many Kansas City Chiefs fans. Put it back on Taylor, they said. Today's Sport Old National News is brought to you by Lawrence's Mall. For the Sport Old News Center on Blush Tweet, I'm Katie Rosen Rosen, ESPN 97.7. All right, now with the football season over, Taylor's going to have to figure out some other scam to uh, market for her ticket sales. Right? I'm just kidding. All right. Go ahead, Lawrence. The sport hole. Sports, 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 sports. But early in the game, the offense wasn't quite clicking, and we saw Trav come over and, uh, I say, have an engaging conversation with you. What was that convo about? Because it seemed like the offense and everybody changed after that. What was that convo about? Uh, he, he caught me when I wasn't looking. <laughs> I saw that. It's a fumble. That was another turnover. Yeah, he didn't know. He, that I, your play sheet. he didn't know I was going to go that far. You right. Know? So he came, then he came over and gave me a hug. So he said, sorry about that. But he, you know what? He just wants to be on the field and he wants to play. And so uh, there's nobody I get uh, better than I get him. He, he's a competitive kid and. Um, he, you know, he loves to play, and he makes me feel young, you know, but my balance is terrible, booger. <laughs> Do you give Travis Kelsey a pass for what he did to Big Red? Love Andy Reid. Love him. What a, what a great, well, first of all, what a classy way to handle that thing. Uh, 
with Kelsey. Here's what I'll say about Kelsey. And I understand that football people will say, look, it's the heat of the moment. This happens all the time. Uh, Brady used to scream at his coaches. He used to scream at Bill O'Brien, right? That's the famous one who's now the head coach at BC. Right, Larry? Yes. Who cares? Sorry. Um, Heat of the moment. You're both competitors. You're both fighting to win and all that stuff. Here's what I'll say. When you play the turkey bowl on Thanksgiving with somebody you know, and they're yelling at a 12-year-old or something, and then after the game they apologize to the 12-year-old and say, hey, I'm sorry, I just get really competitive. And, like, that's the the excuse is, hey, I'm competitive. And my response is, no, you're an a-hole. So, yeah, everybody's competitive. Everybody wants to win. But only you are the one who are going and, and body bumping Big Red and screaming at him in front of, you know, 200 billion people or whatever. So, yes, you're competitive. But, B, you're also an a-hole. And uh, my love for Andy Reid has grown after this year. And it's not like I don't like Kelsey, Larry. I'm not saying that. Here's uh, what Travis Kelsey had to say after the game about his uh, thing with Andy Reid. Which, by the way, you've heard a billion. I mean, you've heard this talking point, Larry, a thousand times today on ESPN and Fox Radio. So I'm glad we're covering it again. But anyway, here's here's uh, Kelsey. He's unbelievable at not only dialing up plays and having everybody prepared, but he's one of the best leaders of men that I've ever seen in my life. And um, he's helped me a lot with that, with channeling that emotion, with channeling that passion. And um, Apparently not. I owe my entire career to that guy and being able to um, kind of control um, how, how emotional I get. And, I mean, not really. So I like I like Kelsey. Uh, I still like him. It's fine, but he's an a hole. We're all, everybody's competitive. Everybody, but the a holes are the ones that do that thing. They take it over the top. So, do you agree, Larry? Yes. Thank you. Let's go. What do we got? We got a couple more. Yes. All right. Restaurant Review. Restaurant Review brought to you by our good friends at the Matt Hickman team at Academy Mortgage. Top 1% mortgage originator in the country. The Matt Hickman team. Proud sponsor of Region 9 Athletics, Larry. Well, let me, first of all, uh, review my wife's pigs in a blanket yesterday. Fantastic. 10 out of 10. Little doughy. Nine out of ten. All right, what's the restaurant, Lawrence? Oh, Red Robin. Red. I hadn't been to Red Robin in five years. It used. I used to live over by the Red Robin out to Washington, and now I, I'm I'm on the other side of town. So we went to Red Robin. Here's what happened. We're driving to go get something to eat. I got the two kids in the back, Larry. Not that you give a crap about hearing about my kids or the family or anything like that. I'm not, I don't think you do. But I just want to give you context for what happened. I got the two kids behind. I got my wife. It's my wife's turn to select because it's an even day or whatever. 
And she's going to choose where we go. And it's decided we're going to In-N-Out, which is heaven for me. I could eat it in and out two times a day, lunch and dinner, every day. And she's doing that to, to please me. She wants me to go to In-N-Out so I can have a good time, even though she's, you know, she likes it. So we're going to In-N-Out. And then two roads diverge, Larry. We're pulling into In-N-Out. There's a big line, whatever. She does the she does the she does the Andy Reid special. She fakes to Hardman on the inside zone, but then she keeps it to the right side and keeps going to Red Robin, you know, around the edge, Larry. And I was not prepared for it defensively. And she just screwed easy uh, first down for her going to Red Robin. So we go in. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm dressed in a sweatsuit. I mean, I, I look, I got a wrinkly, horrible shirt on. I've got my Crocs on and stuff. And Red Robin's a place where you kind of got to wear something. I mean, it's not like going to the drive-thru at Internet, right? So I go in there. I got my Crocs on. I look like a schmuck. They don't care. They seat us anyway. Dynamite experience. Dynamite. I don't know if it's under new management since last time I went where the, the service or whatever. This was fantastic. And let me tell you why. Because as soon as the waiter shows up, nice kid, 23 years old, very friendly. My wife says she sets the tone because she knows I want fries. And I know, and she knows my biggest beef with Red Robin is they don't, they have the bottomless fries. It takes them an hour to get you more. They start you with four fries. I eat those in 0.3 seconds before they even leave. I've eaten all the fries. And then that you don't see the waiter again for a fortnight. So she knows that. And so she sets a tone with this kid and says, hey, we want a lot of fries and just keep them coming. Just keep your full throttle pedal to the metal, insinuating that if, if he performs in the fry category, he'll get a monster tip from the missus. So my wife was a hero. This guy... This guy just brought out fry, just load of fries after fries the whole night with the campfire sauce and the seasoning. Fantastic. Phenomenal. The uh, Whiskey River Burger never disappoints. That was great. And what else, Larry? Something else I wanted to review from Red Robin. The, uh, oh, I guess I had Coke. A couple of Cokes, a couple of hardballs. Put me in a good mood. Fantastic! There were plenty of kids screaming and stuff, so my kids screaming didn't cause a problem for anybody. How many times will I go back to Red Robin this calendar year, Larry? Three times. Three times. That's a great score because of where it's located. I've renewed my love with Red Robin. I've rekindled it. Fantastic service. Great steak fries with the seasoning and the sauce. Fantastic experience. I'll be coming back three more times. All right, we got to wrap up there. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's Gus Johnson Award goes to... Inbound to Waterman. Angle left hall, but he's 35 feet away. Now at the top of the four-second shot clock. Step back on three and two. Nell open three. He got it. There it is. Trevin Nell knocks it down and restores a 15-point lead for BYU. All right.
Congratulations to um, Greg Rebell. He hasn't won in a while. He gets 10 bucks to Island Grinds, Poo Poo Chicken. You heard BYU beat Kansas State on our sister station, 92.5 FM, 890 AM. KDXU. Way to go, Larry. We'll be back. I'll get back, Larry.